Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I am your host, Dr. Mfon Warren, and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a big announcement to make. Drum roll, please. We have officially made it to episode number five. Yes. Now, I need you all to do me a favor. Wherever you are, just stop what you're doing. Okay, find some soapy water and blow some bubbles in the air. Yes, yes, I said bubbles. That's how we celebrate in the pediatric world, okay? Hashtag bubbles over bubbly. (laughs) But on a real note, I am so grateful to every one of you who has listened and shared and given me feedback and encouragement so far. It really, really helps me to keep this project going. So a big, big, big thank you to all of my listeners out there. Okay, now I have a question. Have you ever gone somewhere unfamiliar and felt a bit on edge because you weren't quite sure what you were expected to be doing? I have this feeling sometimes when I go with friends to Catholic church services. Now, I am no stranger to church, but sometimes Catholic services have a bit more protocol around them than I'm used to. If I don't pay close attention, I find myself the only person sitting when everyone else has stood up. Or the priest says part of a prayer and everybody else responds. Everyone except me, that is. I am usually just mumbling because I don't know which thing I'm supposed to be saying when. Because that's not my normal church, those responses and behaviors don't come naturally to me. Well, in our book today, we meet a young girl, Tally, who spends a lot of time and energy trying to figure out other people's expectations and act accordingly. But that doesn't always come naturally for her because her mind works a little differently. Today, we're talking about autism and the book, Can You See Me? by Libby Scott and Rebecca Westcott. It's a chapter book geared towards the 8 to 12 age group. And this book is really unique because one of the co-authors, Libby Scott, is an 11-year-old girl with autism. And her contributions really help to bring the main character to life. For anyone who's interested in learning more about how this book was written, I'll put a link in the show notes to an interview with both authors. In Can You See Me?, we are dropped into 11-year-old Tally's life as she's starting the seventh grade, or secondary school, as it's also called. The book is set in the UK. So fortunately for us, Tally's mom has given her a diary to write down her thoughts and feelings. So every few chapters throughout the book, we have a diary entry that helps us get to know Tally better. And it is in Tally's diary that we first learn that she has autism. 
According to Tally's mom, Tally's supposed to be using her diary to help her process her autism and understand how she copes with different situations. But Tally already knows this stuff about herself. So she ends up writing it with the idea that she might let her family members or other people read it someday. So in the book, the diary is very cleverly used as an education tool to help the reader really understand Tally's experience and viewpoints about her autism. Of note, all these portions, the diary entries, were all written by our young co-author, Libby Scott. So what is autism? Autism is a lifelong condition that first appears in childhood, and it typically causes challenges with communication, social interaction, and behavior. You may hear this called autism spectrum disorder, meaning that autism can look very different from one person to the next. One person may be only mildly affected while someone else could have very severe symptoms associated with their autism. What are some of the features that an autistic person may have? To answer that question, we can turn to Tally's autism facts from her diary. And one of the first things that she tells us about is sensory stuff. So people with autism may have much more heightened senses than people without autism. On the one hand, this could make an autistic person more attuned to things that other people would normally miss. However, they can also be subject to sensory overload. So they may tend to have difficulty with loud noises. And for some people, it's helpful to actually wear earmuffs in places that are loud or in crowds, just to kind of be able to screen out some of those distracting noises. They might have sensitivities to certain textures. Um, so even the way that certain clothings or fabrics feel on their skin, um, the tags and the labels that are normally on the back of shirts, these things that other people may not necessarily notice can be very, very um, aggravating to a person with autism. They can even be sensitive to certain textures in food, which can end up leading to a restricted diet because they are only able to really tolerate uh, a sensation of certain kinds of foods. This sensitivity can also make it difficult for some people with autism to tolerate social touch, such as handshakes, hugs, or things like a pat on the back. Another thing that Tally tells us about is called stimming. And stimming is kind of a short form for self-stimulatory behavior. And this is usually a repetitive behavior or action that feels good or is soothing to a person with autism. Uh, a common one is hand flapping. Uh, it can be something else such as rocking their body back and forth. And sometimes uh, a person with autism can engage in one of these behaviors as an expression of joy or happiness. And other times it can be more like a coping mechanism, kind of helping to release tension. Sometimes these stimming behaviors can be detrimental. Um, something like head banging, if 
an autistic person is banging their head repetitively against the wall. That can be something that uh, can end up having the potential to injure that person. Another potential autistic trait that Tally tells us about is called demand avoidance. And this is almost an inability to go along with what someone else has requested if it feels like a demand to her. And I'm sure a lot of us can kind of relate to this one at, at some level. You know, when it feels like someone is telling you what to do, all of a sudden that's the last thing that you want to do <laughs> because it almost feels like you've given up control to someone else. Um, but we could see for Tally, it was almost like uh, a compulsion. Like she could not make the decision to go along with what someone else had said. Um, she always had to say no if it felt like a demand was being made of her, even if it's something that she really wanted to, to do, like go to the ice cream store or go to the fair. So that's an interesting trait that I actually had not heard of before in relation to autism. And then finally, she talks about meltdowns. And, and Tally had quite a few meltdowns in the book, and so we kind of got to see really what this was like. And she describes this as almost like a boiling point when she has been trying to repress her feelings all day, and all of a sudden she cannot take it anymore, and those feelings have to get out of her somehow, and uh, something has to happen. And so sometimes this manifests as her um, shouting, screaming, saying mean things to other people around her. Uh, sometimes she gets a bit aggressive and um, throws things. She feels everything so much more intensely than everyone else does. And so when those emotions well up in her, she's unable to control that meltdown that happens. And there's many other behaviors that can come along with autism. Um, things like having issues with eye contact, difficulty with changes in routine, um, very, very deep interest in particular focused areas, and also being very literal. Um, so having difficulty with fig things like figures of speech or metaphors or sarcasm, situations in which people are not saying exactly what they mean can be difficult for an autistic person to interpret. The thing that's really useful about this book is being able to hear Tally's internal dialogue as she goes through different situations in life, as she goes through her relationships with her family, with her friends, with people at school. Because sometimes if we just focus on her outward behavior and uh, interpret that as we would do for other people, it leaves plenty of space for misunderstanding. So for example, there's times when she says things very bluntly and kind of just speaks her mind. And sometimes people interpret that as her being mean, whereas that's not actually her intention. She is someone who kind of states the truth. Um, it's very honest and literal. And so um, sometimes that is misunderstood by other people. Another time, her mom is late uh, coming back from work. And 
she's seven minutes late. She said she was going to be back home in an hour and it ends up being an hour and seven minutes. And Tally has a meltdown. She loses her mind. She's yelling at her mom and everything. And so from the outside, it seems like she may just be acting out or having a tantrum. But when she explains what is happening on the inside, um, in these situations of uncertainty, she is kind of dealing with emotions of fear and and anxiety and actually being significantly concerned or overwhelmed by all the possible bad things that could have happened to her mom while she was gone. And so um, though outwardly this is manifesting as an outburst, on the inside we kind of understand some of the emotions and some of the reasons why she is acting that way. And then there's another occasion where we see someone close to Tally getting hurt. And Tally doesn't really seem to be responding on the outside. She is continuing to do the activity that she was doing before, which is watching TV. And she's very fixated on finishing her TV show before she does anything else. And from anyone watching that scene, it feels very callous. It feels uncaring. But on the inside, she's kind of paralyzed by this fear and inability to process the scary situation that's happening. And so because she's unable to really confront that fully, she just channels her attention to the activity, the TV that she's watching, because that is a source of comfort to her that is able to calm her down, that's able to keep her from having a meltdown. So it's really kind of interesting to see that uh, perspective and to see kind of the reasoning behind behaviors that would otherwise seem a little bit uh, strange and out of the ordinary. Of course, the reader gets the special benefit of being able to look into Tally's mind and see what's happening behind the scenes, but the other characters in the story don't have this luxury. So Tally's behavior has consequences, and Tally notices. You know, she sees how other people perceive her. She is used to hearing the sighs of frustration from her parents after she's had another meltdown. She's used to seeing the look given between um, her classmates or her friends when she says something, again, that seems mean or that seems uh, misguided. She's used to hearing her sister, who's actually very outspoken about her frustrations, calling her difficult, wishing that she wasn't such hard work, asking her over and over, why can't you just be ordinary for once? You know, so um, she kind of deals with this uh, world of people who are consistently frustrated with her behavior. And this affects how she sees herself. She mentions to her parents that she's sorry for being such a problem. She feels like a burden. She is scared, you know, that her her dad wishes that she wasn't there, that she wasn't a part of the family. Contrary to what it may sometimes seem like on the outside, Tally cares a lot about her relationships with other people. She cares a lot about her friends. She cares a lot about her family. And so 
not wanting people to be upset with her drives a lot of her behavior. As she mentions herself, spends a lot of effort and energy watching other people around her, trying to make sure that she's saying the right thing and doing the right thing and doing things that will help her fit in. Kind of like I talked about in the beginning of the episode with me making observations and paying attention in church and trying to do the right thing at the right time. And so this is a real fear for her. And she says, what if I get things wrong, like accidentally talk, then get in trouble in front of everybody? Or what if teachers don't get what autism means for me and think I'm just acting out? Or a teacher shouts at somebody and then I embarrass myself by covering my ears. What if I can't cope with being told what to do and I get scared and then that makes me angry? This would be the worst possible thing that could happen at school. And so you just see how some of these behaviors that are out of her control are things that end up causing her a lot of anxiety in terms of how she relates with other people. In various places of the book, Tally sprinkles in some little tips for people around her about how to deal with a person who has autism. And Though these are directed towards her parents sometimes, her sister and her teacher, the reader can kind of come away with some valuable points. And again, for me, it really goes back to um, being able to have that insight into Tally's mind. Because understanding why somebody may act a certain way, I feel, is a very helpful foundation for then... Um, one, accepting that person, accepting that person's personality and behaviors, and two, being able to accommodate them and adjust the way that we interact with them. So for example, going back to what we learned from Tally's autism tips, if we know that people with autism may have difficulty with loud sounds and things like that, then how do we um, change around our classroom or our work environment? Um, or the clinic, you know, to be able to accommodate that. And if we know that wording questions in the form of a demand is going to put them in a difficult situation, then maybe we can um, word a request in form of a choice instead. And so there's just little tips sprinkled all through the book like that. So now, it is really important to note that not everyone with autism is the same. People are going to have different um, preferences. People are going to have challenges in different areas um, of functioning. And this was actually, it was interesting to me because most of my experiences with autistic children have been with those that are on the more severe end of the spectrum, many who are intellectually disabled and nonverbal. And initially, that's the kind of representation I was expecting as I was looking for books. But as Tally mentions in one of her diary entries, she says this is what made it hard for many people to understand her. She didn't look like the typical version of autism that they are used to. And so it is actually very useful to have this kind of representation in a book in order to show a balanced perspective. And it's also very important to understand the different ways in which autism can present. When autism is diagnosed earlier, Oftentimes, a child can have access to um, important therapies that may help 
improve their communication, improve social and life skills, um, give them a chance at independence, and really give them uh, the support that they need at whatever level they are at. One of the lines that I really loved from this book is when Tally is giving tips to the parents about do's and don'ts when you have a child with autism. And the one thing that she said that was so powerful was, do let them know how much you love them. You cannot give your child enough love, but you may have to show it differently. So again, that was Can You See Me by Libby Scott and Rebecca Westcott. Now, I actually listened to the audiobook of this on Audible, and the narrator just did an excellent job. Her little British accent just really helped to bring Tally's character to life and everyone else in the book as well. Um, so it's a really funny book. It's engaging. Um, I really loved all the characters in the book and it's definitely, definitely worth a read. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from this one. One other book that I looked at for this episode, it's called The Girl Who Thought in Pictures, the story of Dr. Temple Grandin. And Dr. Temple Grandin is an American scientist best known for her work on animal behavior. She is also autistic herself, and she was one of the first people to really write and open up about her experiences with autism. And she continues to be a prominent um, activist and advocate for people with autism. And so this book is a picture book. It's almost like a mini biography. It's a rhyming book, which I absolutely love. <laughs> it's uh, written for anywhere between ages five to ten. So it's really nice to kind of see the transformation of Temple from a young child who was nonverbal and um, fortunately being able to have access to uh, therapies and accommodative school environments that really helped her um, overcome her speech delays and become the person that she is today. And so this is one that I really recommend as well. Okay, so this is the end of golden episode number five. Remember, remember, bubbles over bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you guys all for listening um i hope to see you again next week for the show notes and links to the books i cover in this episode please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com if you like what you heard please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, I would also love to hear from you. You can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.